Hello, this is Joshua Bell with The Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from February 14th as we discuss aspects of leadership according to 2 Kings. Hope you enjoy and God bless. Uh, let us read our scripture. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, the company of prophets who were in Bethel, came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho, the company of prophets who were... At Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? He answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But, he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I may do for you. Before I am taken from you, Elisha said, Please, let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. I have to tell you, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And all of you that are in my Bible studies and my Sunday school classes are saying, uh, yeah, it's along with the rest of the Bible that you love so much. But I really love this story. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to tell my dad that this is proof that there were aliens. Uh, that this was the example that the whirlwind was a tornado. It was more like a tractor beam and the, the fiery chariot and the fiery horses 
were a spaceship carrying Elijah into heaven. Uh, and and uh, my, my dad would just look at me and say, uh-huh, yep, that's neat. I love this passage of scripture mainly because of the message that it leaves to us. You cannot talk about this passage of scripture without seeing the subtle nuances of Moses and Solomon's story. Here in the midst of this story, there's this beautiful way of Moses passing on his mantle to Joshua. And in this story, you have Elijah passing his literal mantle onto Elisha. In the same way that God asks Solomon that he will grant him anything that he asks, Solomon asks for wisdom, Elisha asks for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. It's a beautiful passage of scripture but it's extremely intimidating when we look at it in the aspect of how do we shadow our power. He never leaves his mentor, you see. Elisha follows Elijah everywhere that he goes, basically what we would call in the aspect of leadership today, shadowing. And then of course, it includes the premonitions of the legendary prophet's departure announced by the prophets in Bethel and Jericho and probably by the 50 prophets who followed the two to the Jordan River. Before the final departure, Elisha is invited to ask one final thing. The goal here is to say that the prophetic legacy is going to pass on through Elisha. powerful passage of scripture about leadership and the struggle that we have even for today. Sometimes it's hard for us to say, hey, I need help. Or it's hard for us to say, what I really would like to do is, and, and articulate it in such a way that everyone understands. The story reminds us that God is faithful to raise up new voices for each generation who will proclaim the word of God. This mantle passes on from generation to generation as leaders arise by God's prompting to fill needed roles and leadership. Elisha does not wrest the mantle from his, more, man, uh, from his mentor. It falls to him. Leaders in the community of faith are not self-appointed. Rather, they are sealed by God's Spirit, empowered, but just as importantly, are attested and affirmed by the community. Even in our own congregation, our deacons, our elders, our board officers have been lifted up by our congregation, and we, we say we vote on them, but what we're doing is, is we're giving a sense of confidence to them to lead our church in the new years to come. The hardest part about it for us transferring leadership is the understanding of the learning curve. You see, the disciple follows the master resolutely until he is given the gift of the Spirit 
for his task. The main point of this passage is, in fact, that the continued availability of people who would proclaim the word of the Lord. People of God are not left forlorn, you see. As one prophet passes on, another is immediately raised. The ministry is God's name will go on. The hardest part in any aspect of church leadership is the understanding that someone else can do our job and maybe can do it even better. I don't know if when we step down from our positions, if we get to ride on a whirlwind or a chariot of fire uh, into heaven, but we definitely go out with a bang, right? We should come out of that with the understanding that we've done the best we could with what we had been given. And hopefully that we have left something for the next generation to take to the next level in the ways that God has called them to bring that to happen. So I've always wondered, why is it that Elijah tells Elisha to stay put? Here he is walking along with Elijah. They obviously have a very good relationship. And as they're walking along the path, Elijah says to Elisha, you must stay here. I have to go on to the next town. And Elisha says, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to keep following you. And rather than argue, Elijah says, okay, and they go on to the next town. It always makes me wonder if is, is a possibility that Elijah just wasn't really ready to step down. Was Elijah just kind of saying, well, if I go do this, if I do this all on my own, then maybe, maybe I, I still have purpose. I know that in ministry, it's extremely hard sometimes to say, hey, I, again, I need help with this. And there are some things that are very hard to explain what it is that we do. You can't, you can tell people how to sit on someone's bedside as someone is dying, but you can't teach them how to stay quiet and to listen. You can take people along with you as you feed the hungry, but it's really hard to explain to people or to teach people that these people that we're feeding are not just hungry, they're children of God. And not to look at them as poor, defenseless, hopeless people but to look at them as if they were your own family. It's hard to teach people that. In some ways, you just can't. In a lot of ways, when you ask people to shadow you or to follow along with you, it's so that it may ease some of your burden, but what happens is, is whatever you take off of your heart, you place onto someone else's. I often wonder if Elijah was trying to protect Elisha's heart, knowing that he was no, not going to be along much longer. I know that when I was growing up, 
The idea of leadership was extremely important to me, and I learned a lot of it from the Boy Scouts and working for the youth shelters of Barfield County and Pittsburgh County. See, there's a difference between being in charge of 500 boys getting ready to play a game or participating in a campfire existence than sitting next to some young person inside of a youth shelter that had either been kicked out of their home or had run away from home or had nowhere else to go and to sit there and explain to them, well, not really explain, but but listen to how their life has been extremely awful. Two different types of leadership there. I think about this a lot when we talk about the difference between deacons and elders of the church. I've always believed that the diaconate, or from the word diakonos, or diakonia, these people are the servants of the church. They are the hands and the feet. They're the ones that prepare the way for the people to come into worship. They're the ones that are going to be changing the communion cups and sanitizing the sanctuary, making sure the sidewalks are clear, making sure that people can get in and out of the building safely. To the difference of the presbyteros, or in my Masters of Theological Studies understanding, the oikonomos, the stewards of the table, two totally different roles. And when we try to shadow someone, or we want someone to shadow us, there's a little bit of trepidation and fear with it. How do you teach people nuance? I can hear people say. The other aspect of this thing, that we just have to really name and claim it, in the understanding that what if Elijah wasn't ready to pass his mantle on? What if Elijah believed and knew deep down in his heart that he had things to do? That ministry to overcome, people to meet, people's lives to change. You see, there's seasons in every one of our lives where it's extremely hard for us to understand what it means to be in a place of power. You know, that, that old adage, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Or, as Stan Lee would say in the Marvel comics, with great power comes great responsibility. And for those of you that are wondering, that's Spider-Man that he says that to. There's an understanding of what it means to be in leadership that there comes with it a sense of power. Sometimes power over. Sometimes power with. Sometimes power through. So for us, even as we look at Elijah and Elisha, it's important for us to understand that the mantle was passed on to us as Christians in a different manner. Here, Elijah is passing on the prophetic word of God to Elisha, to all of the people of Israel. Jesus passes on a mantle that is extremely difficult for us to manage. One that loves our neighbor as ourself, to love our enemy to embrace all people as children of God, 
And in that type of power, the shadowing aspect of the disciples as they follow along in Christ's footsteps is very different than the story of Elijah and Elisha, but very similar in the aspect of power. The one thing I wish the disciples had learned was is that what Jesus had above all things was his aspect of humility. He was the Son of God. But to everyone that knew him, he was just Jesus of Nazareth. He could wipe away the Roman Empire with the, literally the snap of his fingers. And what does he end up doing? He says we must live within the society that God has put us here so that we may be the ambassadors of that world. That's different than the Roman Empire. The disciples shadowed Jesus for three years and still didn't get those basic tenets until Jesus had ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit had approached them in the time of Pentecost. So you would think that after all of the books of leadership and all of the things that we've watched, all the memes, the TED Talks, all of the Facebook posts, all the YouTube videos about how we do leadership, we would figure out just for once that the goal of Christianity isn't to say that we have it all figured out. But because we don't have it figured out, we have to work together. And in that aspect, we have to recognize that we, as those in leadership, are not the only ones that God has spoken to. Extremely hard for us, for all of us that have been in leadership, to recognize that there might be someone in the wings waiting, praying, please let me have this opportunity. I want to leave you with this idea. With the leadership, there, there comes struggle. The hope is, is that while we're shadowing this person following us, that we give them a sense of comfort in the midst of their pain. So that when they rise into places of leadership and authority, that they have been given trust and respect. On a side note, I've been extremely pleased with our church board in the ways that we have been able to agree to disagree in loving ways. Listening to every voice that speaks. Recognizing that these voices represent a larger group of people than just ourselves. The scariest thing for us is that what do we do now? What do we do when we pass on the mantle on to the next generation? Is there fear and trepidation? Yes, on both sides. Can you imagine being Elisha in that moment? Here is your mentor who literally gets carried up into heaven on a chariot of fire. You can't tell me that there wasn't any pressure in that moment. This is shortly after he parted the seas, just like Moses, by literally just taking his mantle clothing and hitting the water, and it parts as they walked across dry land. 
You can't tell me Elisha didn't feel the pressure. But what Elisha did is the model for us in the future. He recognized that he couldn't do it without the power of God. I have no power within me that God hasn't put on my soul. And Elisha, in a loving, beautiful way, takes up that mantle and spreads the word of God. In the same way that the disciples, after stumbling and falling, watching all types of miracles, eventually picked up the mantle of Christ and led us into what we kind of know today as Christianity. In the days ahead and the future of our congregation, we find ourselves looking at those shifts of leadership. Regardless of when our board comes off and the new board comes on, this type of conversation should happen all the time in everything that we do. Deacons should be inviting other deacons to come and watch how we do stuff on Sunday morning. Elders should be inviting other elders to come and participate. We should be calling one another to check on one another, especially when we've been asked to be leaders in the worship service experiences. Why? Because that's what good children of God do. We share the burden. In conclusion, we have leaders that come and go, and their lasting memories that they leave with us are powerful and beautiful, and something to behold, something, yes, in some aspects to live up to, but we blaze a trail in the ways that the Spirit has put upon our own hearts. And we have to be able to feel that power of God and recognize that God has given this to us for a great purpose, to serve our family. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.